0: Cool. Well, there we go. That's uh, that's how 149 is starting with Jessica just saying "good, cool" right there, and she is back. Hi, Jessica. How's it going?
1: Hello. It's <laughs> been a day.
0: Yes, ma'am. It, it seems to be a, a Friday for a lot of us folks out here, and oh. uh, it. It le- so let's talk about that, because you had you had sent me a message that I needed to edit, in my, edit the last podcast that we're doing, and then you told me that you're going for a major in something that I find pretty interesting. You want to let all of us know what we're going to be talking about today?
1: Yeah, Um. so right now I'm pursuing my bachelor's degree at Lindenwood University here in Missouri. Um, right now I'm pursuing a degree in psychology for my undergrad.
0: Okay. And so I know that you kind of had a fixation on depression or more so just kind of counseling. So why don't we dive into the first part of this is how did you get started in wanting to go towards psychology? Like what kind of prompted you to say, hey, let's go study stuff?
1: So a lot of things are at play here. Um, So the first thing was I was working this job that I was about to quit. Um,
0: Good and... start already.
1: <laughs> and um, it was it was quite the company that I was working for. It was similar to the position I'm working now, but um, just a way less orderly, way less reasonable, and functional company. Mm-hmm. Um, and just to sum it up my therapist actually told me to go off task during my last two weeks there um because I had already started doing that and she said well they don't deserve any more than that and it was the slow season anyway so it's like well I'm sitting here so I started basically researching uh they call this psych major syndrome, and I got it early. So I started researching the symptoms that people in my life had. And so I would find scholarly articles online and print them out at that office <laughs> and then <laughs> um, highlight what I found interesting and important because these were like, you know, scholarly articles. So they're like 12 to 28 pages long or more. Yeah. Um, so that was, that was kind of the self-led research that I mentioned uh, beforehand. And um, so after that, um, actually also while I was at that job, I decided to, um, I decided to reconsider going back to school because I went to community college, but I only went because um, we actually have this awesome program in the state of Missouri, it's called the A plus program. I don't know if they have that anywhere else, but it's state funded and it's basically in your senior year of high school, if you do so many hours of tutoring in the lower grades, so they put you on a bus to like the elementary school or one of the other lower grades. Mm-hmm. And that's like that fills a an hour of your schedule. Okay. And so you can just go and tutor a classroom. So like an entire class, class or
0: even, just a just a kid.
1: Um so for me I was working with a kid with ADHD. Um because this teacher was like it was a situation where his his ADHD was so severe that he was disrupting the class on a regular basis and so I entered the scene and this teacher who was awesome by the way. Um he goes I really need you to just keep him busy, work with him on the homework, just give him special attention because he needs it. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was my experience, but I think some other people just would like walk around the class and see if kids needed help and um, stuff like that. So um, doing that for a year of high school um, bought you a free ride to community college. So your first two years and your associate's degree. And
0: that's, so, that's pretty dope to be honest with you.
1: It's, it's wonderful. It's a really great program. I hope they keep it forever.
0: <laughs> Cause I mean, they uh, were like, do you want to fill an hour, Jared, to, to go teach some like third or fourth graders some math? I was like, sure, why not? And that's right. what, <laughs> that's all that we did here in Wisconsin. But yeah, no, that, that's, a, that's a great system to, to send you to community college for free for two years. That's dope.
1: Oh, yeah. Just, yeah, completely. I mean, you, you know, you still have to pay for books and whatever other resources you need, but it's Mm -hmm. like, it's a steal. It really is. Um, So, and at the time in high school, I didn't really understand that it was such a good thing. And Mm -hmm. I was just really set on not going to college at all. But my mom was like, no, you're doing that. It's so easy. It's such a good opportunity. You're doing that. I'm like, okay. And uh, I had a pretty good time with it, but when it came to actually using that scholarship, I wasn't very excited because I didn't know what I wanted to do yet. And the idea of getting a gen ed degree was extremely dull in my mm. head. Um,
0: Is that all they offered was like just a general education degree?
1: Um, no, they kind of... Um, They kind of also specialize in, like, I think the sciences and, like, trades and stuff like that.
2: Okay. Um,
1: So, but, you know, I wasn't interested in any of that. I had no idea what I wanted to do. Um, But at some point, I actually don't remember when it was. But I got the idea to become a therapist, but I couldn't afford to go for a bachelor's at the time. Mm Mm-hmm. And so I was like, well, that's not (laughs) going (laughs) to happen at the time. And I also had so many other interests that, um, which I'm still working on. I mean, I know I want to finish this degree, but it doesn't have to be the only thing I do with my life. And I'm passionate about a lot of other things. Um, And so I was like, no big deal. I don't have to go for that, whatever. So anyway... Um, when I was, uh, in the process of deciding to go to Lindenwood, uh, which is where I am now, I had actually set out to pursue an art history degree. So I tried that because that was another thing that I thought would be a great field for me to work in because I had originally chosen it because I wanted to pursue fine art, but everybody told me that was a bad idea and I bought into it because I was just a kid and that's a terrible thing that adults do to kids.
0: To um, not buy into the fine art degree?
1: To not buy into... Um, wait, what did I say?
0: <laughs> because I'm you're talking, you're a talking about a, a fine art degree. and I worked for the Department of Education, uh, believe it or not, I did student loans way back uh, a number of years ago and the amount of art majors and, you know, the the kind of more super, super niche degrees were mm-hmm. a lot of the folks that I talked to, you know, uh, like. The, uh, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, it may be apparent not saying, hey, don't, you know, probably don't pursue your dream the right. as, a, as a direct railroad but like kind of okay maybe get a uh you know an associates in fine art but also get a bachelor's in something else so that way you can you know you have a backup because a lot of those folks are like oh, i have nothing it's like well maybe mm-hmm. don't major in painting sculptures we don't need there, a lot of sculpture painters right now <laughs> like there, if you're good yeah. good but you know so there are
1: compromises you can make and mm-hmm. still be happy as far as higher education goes there really are
0: well, like right now, you know, like I I would never expect to be doing the job that I'm doing, but on my free time, I'm doing three different podcasts. So, you yeah. know, <laughs> compromise, but yeah, um, just because
1: you're passionate about something doesn't mean you have to make money doing it. You know, well, um,
0: I- I've made some money doing this. I have made some. Uh, so it- it's not like, oh, let me just quit my job. I'm not Joe Rogan here, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so you were pushed away from a degree by your parents, and then uh, you, were, you were kind of going on there before I decided to derail us.
1: That's okay. Um, yeah, so they, they, well, not just my parents, but a lot of people were working to talk me out of it, and mm-hmm. um, so I was like, what if I go for art history instead of just fine art? Mm-hmm. Um, because I figured, you know, I know that you can get a job as a curator, you can just work in the lower level at a museum. Mm -hmm. um, But there's not a huge job market for that. um, As you can imagine. Yeah. Um, And also, it had been five plus years since I left community college. um, And so that whole inter area of interest for me with art history had kind of gone dormant, but I knew that um, I, it still was an interest. So um, I went ahead and said, screw it, you know, cause people also told me not to do that. And I was like, well, that was stupid and I should have done it anyway and I can still do it. So I'm going to.
0: <laughs> nice. Nice.
1: But I got started and long story short, I kind of realized that I wasn't as interested in it. As I was before so
0: what what hit the switch to just go yeah I'm done
1: well part of it (laughs) this wasn't like the kicker or anything but Mm
0: -hmm.
1: it's notable that so this school I don't know about other universities right now but they offer eight week courses that are online and that could be great but instead they cram 16 weeks of material into that time And it's Ah. all, it's all self led. Like they give you all of the the assignments for the week at the beginning of the week, and you have to decide when you're going to have time for it. Mm. And I just had like, I had like three scholarly articles per week to read and um, videos and lectures and just like so much. I had to submit all the notes that I took on the lectures online and just like it was nuts it distracted me from all my other classes that semester and I just there were things that were interesting it was um it was a lot of focus on romanticism and I really enjoyed learning about that um but it was just not interesting enough to make into a career especially with how competitive that job market is and um how specialized everything is when it comes to that field. So um, I was kind of starting to veer away from keeping that major. Um, And there was one particular day when I was on my way to campus um, about to go to one of my on-site classes. And um, it was an interesting day
0: much like today i take it
1: um today had a lot more events in like you know a lot more bullet points that made it weird and ridiculous but that day was just i started out it was at a time where i was having a lot of um problems with ruminating and trying to get my mind off of traumatic events that you know were long past and I mean that's what trauma does but it's just kind of you know you feel like you're done processing it but you can't stop thinking about it it's kind of like anxiety in the reverse because when you're anxious you're worried about something that might happen in the future but with ruminating you're you're just dwelling on the past so it's like kind of a dichotomy there
0: a um, couple big words I barely understand, but alright.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's just they're I was about to use another big word, but they're like opposite but similar at the same time. Mm.
0: I, I'm I'm not um, I'm not that stupid, alright? I'm not that stupid just No, now. you're
1: fine. You're fine. So you're on um, your way
0: to class and something hits you. What what smacks you in the face that says, Let's go psychology?
1: Uh so I just woke up that day just on full rumination mode and thinking about um, some stuff that happened with my family somewhat recently at that point. And uh, a lot of just like, I used to have a really rocky relationship with my dad, especially when I was a teenager. And um, that went into like my early twenties, which wasn't that long ago. So
2: Mm -hmm. I don't know.
1: I was, I just could not stop thinking about it. It felt like my just my train of thought was off the rails like it would not let up no matter how many coping strategies i tried no matter how much i tried to talk myself out of it talk myself down it just would not stop and so that was how i woke up and it kept going at least until the beginning of that first class i had for the day okay and then i was on the highway And I had just gotten a new car. I was leasing a new car. (laughs) And it was used and it was very cheap. Um, But I loved it. And one of the cosmetic parts fell off on the highway. Awesome. So what it was, it was like this... It was over... (laughs) It has one on either side, and it was already missing the other one, I'm pretty sure. Okay. Um, but this thing just... It didn't even fall off on the way. I just... All all the way. Um, it just... I all of a sudden heard something dragging on the road. And I was like, okay, that's interesting. I hope that's not me. And then I got to class and uh, went to class... And then I came out and went back out to my car and this part was hanging off and I'm like, okay. So I found a body shop and they took it the rest of the way off for me and handed the part to me. It was like this big, long, it was like a six foot long piece that they gave back to me. And I just kept it in my car after that. Uh. But then I went to my other class um, and at, at some point in between all of this, I was thinking about how how it felt impossible to get my mind off of what I woke up thinking about. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, even though that ridiculous thing happened in the middle of my day, I was like still thinking about all the crap swirling around in my head. And um, so I just ended up asking myself, um, where am I supposed to put this? everything that I've been through, where am I supposed to put it? Like, I can't really keep holding on to it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's kind of like just on my shoulders, but it already happened and um, there isn't anything I can do now. Uh, And since I was already on the verge of changing my major, I was like, oh, hold on. I'm like, if I can get more educated about why... It affected me the way that it did, how I can help people cope with the same things, Um, how I can avoid those situations better in the future, which not trying to victim blame with that. It's just Mm -hmm. sometimes, sometimes you can make choices, which would largely be about who you're keeping company with, um, that would help you sustain less trauma. But, obviously, you can't always do that. Um, but, anyway, you know, I was just thinking about, like, how... I mean, I've always loved helping people talk through what they're going through. Um, and I just I just love it. And if I could do that professionally, then I, you know, it wouldn't feel like work.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, true, true. What, the, what is it they... If you enjoy what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. Is that is that the exactly. saying?
2: Exactly. Yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: And so you you kind of found that. How long did it take you before you're like, all right, let's let's go ahead and rock and roll with this. Let's go ahead and you know make sure that we we get on track with it. Did you just kind of make an immediate switch, like head on down to, uh, oh god, who 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 you? That's how long I've been out of college. Like, who would you even go talk to? Like, it's just you, your course. They did be like, fuck it. Let's change it. We're doing it.
1: <laughs> um, It's it's hard to explain, but I, I made the decision pretty quickly. Um, and what's really funny is that for my entire first semester, they had me down as an art therapy major when I was doing art history. Okay. And uh, I was like, hey, guys, um, I think something weird happened with this. And all I can think to this day is, like, I mentioned maybe doing art therapy when I enrolled and was talking to an advisor. And they were like, oh, you're doing art therapy? Okay, click. (laughs)
2: Um,
1: So it's really funny because they switched it over to art history. And then I was like, psych! I'm doing psych. Um, Okay. So... (laughs) That was a dumb pun. I didn't even mean to do that. <laughs> You're anyway. all good. You're all good. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it might have even been, it was like within the next couple weeks, I ended up getting in touch with the um, the department head for, um, you know, psych majors. And I was like, hey, um, I'm thinking this is what I want to do. And I kind of, I just talked with her over Zoom like we are now. Um and i told her what i just told you and how i have a lot of trauma that i'm trying to work through but i don't know what to do with what's left and um i just told her like a bunch of personal stuff (laughs) Mm -hmm. and you know kind of going in depth about why i wanted to do it and i'm like yeah i have trauma and she's like oh that's great
0: (laughs) oh that's great
1: (laughs) it was so funny because i totally understand what she means it's like you don't want somebody in the mental health field who hasn't struggled
0: mm, well yeah yeah and i, yeah, I could see that
1: yeah and i think another big reason why i want to do this is because we need new people we need better people in the psych field it's just our mental health care in this country is absolutely horrible it's i mean i've experienced it from the inside out and it's sad. it's just it's gone so downhill
0: and and why 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 do you say that? Is it just because of like because I almost feel like with some of these degrees where they're really prevalent, you have, say like uh, the teachers, right? Teachers, it's not, oh, there's a shortage of teachers? no, it's we, we need to pay them better. Is that pretty much what it is, or are they like overwork and underpaid or what's going on?
1: Particularly with teachers.
0: Uh, the psych major. Sorry, the psych major. Oh,
1: okay. Um, so I have not been able to figure that out, but I think I think part of the problem is that um they chose the major without thinking about how well they could empathize with their patients and their clients. Um,
2: okay.
1: I've had. I've been through a few therapists before getting to the one that I have now. I've been with her for about three years um, and she's wonderful, but I had a few therapists before her. My mom kind of pushed me um, to go to therapy when I was a teenager and she picked somebody for me, which she was okay, but um, I didn't really feel like I could be super open with her, which partially has to do with, you know, me never having been to therapy before and being a teenager, but, Mm -hmm. um, so anyway, I, I just had a couple therapists that were very questionable. I had one that would just, I was just thinking about her today, actually. She was, um, she would just, uh, not lead the sessions and, I had a lot of stuff at the time that I didn't realize I needed to talk about because I used to just be an expert at repress repressing things Um, and so she would just sit there and stare at me I mean quite literally and uh, (laughs) I know and she ended up booting me because I missed an appointment. And I was like, I really don't care, <laughs> <laughs> but that's ridiculous that she does that because, you know, how likely is it for somebody with clinical depression to miss an appointment? Highly yeah. likely.
0: Yeah. I mean, I've, I've missed a few appointments that I had with the VA and, and so it's always kind of, kind of funny because they'll call me and I'm like, oh, that's right. I forgot I had the appointment at 8am today. I thought it was tomorrow, but yeah, you, you gotta be able to work with somebody and, and be a little bit more open with them. And I guess is is that why you're you're going for the psychology degree to degree to kind of take things and try to at least change it from what you can change on the inside out, or what's kind of the ultimate end goal for you on this?
1: Yeah, so I um I want to fill a position that somebody less qualified would otherwise fill. Okay. Um and I don't mean less qualified in terms of what school they went to or um, what level their degree is. I mean, qualified in terms of heart and empathy and just being able to listen effectively because it, it sounds crazy, but a lot of therapists don't know how to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, And a lot of psychiatrists become psychiatrists for the money. I think.
0: There's a lot of good money to be made there, though. I, I will. There say absolutely that. is. Yeah. What What is one thing that? Because I mean, you're you said you're now a sophomore, right? Yes. Okay. What is one thing you've kind of... Have you noticed that there's kind of like certain people that are going for this degree right now where it's, oh, this you know, so-and-so is uh, in it for the money or they're trying to change it from the inside out like I am? Is there kind of a certain kind of people that you've noticed have been going for, for things or is it a lot of just people just trying to help people?
1: I haven't made many friends at Lindenwood yet. Um, a big part of that is because I'm many years older than most of my classmates <laughs> okay which uh, makes it a little intimidating because um, it's a challenging thing going back to school after that long and when you're you know fully an adult or legally considered as such. So um, but you know I haven't really talked to many people, but that's also because they're they seem very quiet and reserved. And I think that is a trait that empathetic people tend to have. Um, So that's a good sign. I did make really good friends with my human development professor. She's absolutely wonderful. I had that class last semester. Mm -hmm. um, And I talked to her a lot about um, going for a psychology degree. And she was... Super encouraging, super helpful, clued me into a lot of little facts and tidbits about, um, you know, what I wanted to do that I otherwise might not have come across, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was just a sweetheart. I mean, she's exactly the kind of person that should be in this
2: field.
0: Okay. So uh, you, you say the, the kind of quiet, introverted nature that a lot of these folks have is, is something that you have kind of noticed in the classmates that you have?
1: Yeah, um, but I don't know how much of that has to do with um, they've found their circle, you know, mm-hmm. depending on how long they've been in school, and they just don't have any friends in that class, or, you know, it, it could be something unrelated like that, but okay, um, I don't know. There were, there were some people in my principles of psych class that um, were especially talkative, um but pretty much everybody in there was also pretty quiet and reserved and the thing about that class is also it's an elective so i don't know how many people in there were actually majoring um but yeah i mean i've kind of i haven't really gathered any i haven't seen any trends um but i think that i mean psychology is the leading major in america right now as far as i know last time i checked Um, I kind of consider it like the new communications degree
2: because
1: when, um, when my high school classmates were in college Mm -hmm. (laughs) and when I was in community college, um, communications was like kind of the quote unquote default major other than just gen ed. Mm. Um, so now, and, and. I don't know. It's it's kind of not cool to call anything a default, but there were just... Let's just leave it at... There were a lot of communications majors.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, that's that's technically what a default is. You know, it's just... Yeah. If, if you don't know what to do, oh, go here, because it's good. It, it can get you what you need and, and kind of go from there. Yeah. Yeah. So- just know...
1: No shade thrown on any communications majors that are listening.
0: Oh, 100% shade. If if you didn't choose it by – if you didn't choose it and it was chosen for you because you're not sure what to do, I mean, welcome to America. But, yeah, I'll, I'll throw shade yeah. all day every day at folks like that because, <laughs> uh, you know, that was one thing I noticed that I had to deal with because, like, I got out of the military uh, and I don't think I went into college until I was, like, 25, 26 and it was funny because the 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 gal at my college at the university I went to she's like oh there's a bunch of other veterans that are here and I'm like oh you guys are all the same age as I am it's great and then you go to class and this little 18 year old is just doing his best and you know this this 19 <laughs> like you meet all these people and I'm like I know who you were when I went to like I knew you in, in college, in high school, when I was at Sci Fair, and I'm like, I remember that you're like, you could pick out all these people where you're like, you guys are all fresh babies, aren't you? I know. Oh, yeah. I can yeah. pick out every, I can tell you who they were and where you guys were at, and it, it was it was great because, like, I felt like I was a step ahead of the game. You know, like, mm-hmm. I know how to adult.
2: <laughs> so Yeah,
1: and I feel a mix of that and also just... It's a humbling experience at the same time because I also feel like kind of still a kid. I mean, I kind of sustain that um, none of us ever really grow up.
2: Mm-hmm. So
1: sometimes you can, uh, you can get caught up in your age and think, oh, well, I'm, a, I'm all grown up now, so I know what I'm doing, but that's never true.
2: I mean, as, um,
0: as long as you can, as long as you can do what needs to be done and then the rest of your time is just you, it, it's, uh, to me, it, it, successfully adulting is making the most of you do what needs to be done and then you go about the rest of your time. You know, that's, that's to me adulting. And right. I, I sometimes leave very little time for sleeping because of that exact reason. So, you know.
1: Yeah. I've been uh, I've been on seven hours of sleep for the every night for the past two weeks, just about. And uh, it's not good. It's not it's not enough.
0: <laughs> no, no. There, you, you need at least eight. And I've been actually guilty of like four or five hours the last few days just because. That uh, I told you I was doing that charity live stream that's now wow. since been and gone by the time folks are listening to this. I've been getting prepped and ready because we have like four hours to do things and we just kind of want to go back to back to back. So I'm just like, all right, I have enough stuff that if I'm if we just constantly lose it, I'm good to go. <laughs> you know. <laughs> so so I know that you were you were wanting to focus on depression heavily as well as uh, kids with ADHD. I do have a question just because I, I always like to throw it out there. Um, I feel like there's maybe an overdiagnosis of like ADD and ADHD for for kids and even some adults nowadays where it's just, we, we seem to have a diminishing um, attention span. You know, like I've noticed that like when I was younger, oh. my attention, you could have it, give me a 45, give me a 45 minute episode, right? I'm glued in. But now I'm watching like a 20-minute serial killer documentary and I'm like this is what I love and I'm on my phone, I'm maybe playing a game. I'm like my attention has to be divided. So I was curious if has there been a rise in it just because our attention spans have dwindled down and that's why they're calling it ADHD or is there like a huge difference between like what you've learned thus far versus what I'm talking about?
1: I have many theories. Okay. So ADHD, um, it's a very serious disorder. And Mm -hmm. so my two theories about the commonality are that either A, doctors are overdiagnosing. Okay. Um, well, maybe three. Anyway, um, B like you said, more people are developing it because of the age we're in. Um, Or people are going around without a diagnosis saying that they have it, making it seem like so many more people do have it. Um, And that one is, it's more than a theory. That's true. And um, I have ADHD and um, you've, You might've heard that ADHD is a lot more, um, hard. It's harder to detect in people who are biologically female.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, and so my form of ADHD is what used to be called ADD, but now it's ADHD inattentive type, which I hate that they changed it in the DSM-5 because it makes it so much more difficult for people without it to understand. Um, so because ADHD, you know, you, you have a hard time sitting still, right? And that's, that's the hallmark that most people know it by, but with ADD, it's a lot more covert. It's the girl in class that's staring out the window rather than the kid that keeps getting out of his seat, you know? Um... So I know that there are a lot of people self-diagnosing on, you know, just it's, they'll have like two symptoms and be like, oh yeah, that's me. Or they get distracted sometimes while they're making dinner or something. And they're like, oh, I have ADHD. It's mm. incredibly frustrating because it minimizes the the severity of the disorder. And it's just people, you can't stop people from doing that. Except by advocating and informing, yeah. um, and I think that it's unlikely that um, it's being misdiagnosed or falsely diagnosed professionally. You know, official diagnoses, um, because I don't think there are psychiatrists out there just handing out drugs.
0: Well, yeah, I, I don't. I don't think somebody is just out there doing just you know, slinging it like some dollars at a strip club just to, you know, pre- fill sp- prescriptions and such. But it, it just, cause I, I remember I, I had that rabbit hole cause I, I find that sometimes I get interested in something on Reddit or on the internet or I read an article and I'm like, I just have to find more out. And that's how sometimes people are like, oh, I have all of that. And as much as it could be made mm-hmm. up in their head, you know, okay, not so much, but yeah, it, I, I just, I don't really get the difference. I mean, it, it, the name in itself is kind of the synonymous, you know, attention deficit or attention hyper deficit. And when you start to break things down, that's where I start to get a little annoyed. Because I have, I've, I've read some things on people's sexuality that has really kind of confused me a bit. Where the base term doesn't mean what it used to mean. And, and I'm, I'm with you on that because it's like, look, I learned that, you know, you, you do things in a certain manner. Like if, uh, for, for example, you, you're talking about ADHD, right? That hyper is the, the key point in it. It's, okay. This person mm-hmm. has a hard time just keeping themselves attentive. This person okay. has that same thing, but it's like, if I had two cups of coffee, every hour on the hour, you know, like I just become uh, a hyperactive person and it, it's right there. It's, it's, it's very straightforward. And I just, I I don't like it when they change shit either because it just confuses people like me where it's Mm -hmm. just like, no, 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 no. That's what that was. You know, just don't change the thing every five minutes. And when you said it's for people who are biologically female, why is it so much harder for us to detect the ADHD?
1: So I don't know, um, I don't know if there has been a solid theory developed on that. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think what it is, is just fundamentally they're diagnosed with a different type. So in the old terminology from the DSM-5, you would say that ADD is more common in females. ADHD is more common in males. Okay. So it's harder to detect because... Like building on what I said before about it's more likely to be she's distracted, you know, and Mm. you can't tell that she's distracted because she's still there and she's in her seat and she's got her book in front of her, but she's looking out the window and she's zoning everything out that's being said.
0: Yeah. You're planning your D&D campaign while we're talking about fractions.
1: Absolutely.
0: Yeah. I do that. I do that all the time. (laughs) I sit at work and like we should, oh, there's the phone. I got to answer it. Gotcha. Um, okay. That, that makes sense where, um, the stereotypes play a big role in it. Understood. Understood.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and girls are also, it's so hard to detect and they're so quiet about it and they don't realize that something is wrong and that it's a disorder. They don't, they keep quiet about it. They, I mean, they also tend to be very quiet. Mm -hmm. Um, at least as kids. I was a quiet kid and now I'm really loud and I can't shut up. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, you know, that's kind of a tendency that they have. Um, So I can send you a Ted talk about that um, when we're done, if you'd like.
0: Yeah, I could Um, definitely throw that in the the notes there. One, one thing I am very curious though about is you, you wanted to focus on, number one therapy, but where does the depression come into it? Cause I I've, I've been noticing a theme that you're, you're big. on like, Hey, let's help people here. I, I want to help, mm-hmm. you know, X, Y, Z person, whoever it is about whatever it is kind of in, in general, you just want to make the world a, a healthier, happier place uh, to the best of your ability. Mm-hmm. Where did the want to kind of focus on depression come in for you?
1: Um, so I think something that, so I have, um, I'm diagnosed with seasonal affective disorder. And mm-hmm. so, um, most people know what that is. Basically in the fall, I start to go downhill and, um, well, late fall, I love the fall, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but my, uh, my, my brain is, doesn't feel great about it.
0: Well, yeah, so, we know snow is coming.
1: Yes. So, and it's getting darker earlier and there's less to do. Mm -hmm. Um, And especially with ADHD, when there's less to do, you tend to kind of go dormant. Yep. Um, So I, as soon as I started feeling the effects of depression, which was when I was about as young as 13 or 14, I knew what it was just Mm -hmm. immediately. I pretty much, I mean, At first, I was like, I feel really numb and I don't know why, Um, but I figured out pretty quick what it was. And so I didn't know it was seasonal at the time. I actually didn't get my official diagnosis until about two years ago, three years ago.
2: Mm -hmm. Um,
1: (laughs) It took a long time. Yeah. But anyway, um, so I continued to struggle with that because I was undiagnosed. And I still would have struggled with it, but it would have been so much less if I had seen a good doctor. And so I just, I struggled so hard with it. I needed to be medicated so very badly. And I wasn't until, again, about three years ago. So um, I just, it didn't get better for me for a very, very long time. And that was, that was kind of my, um, my whole thing through my teen years, I would go into this dormant stage of severe depression for months on end. Um, And I even had one of those extreme ones, I think it was last winter, but I mean, it wasn't as bad as usual because I was on my meds. Mm -hmm. But when I was a teenager and I was completely unmedicated and into my very early 20s, around the time I was like 22 is when this went until um, I, there was at least one of the really bad ones. This happened a few times, at least three times for me. But the worst one I can remember is there were four solid months and i feel like when i talk about this people think i'm hyperbolizing but i'm not i was very literally in bed just in bed for four months and i i did not eat i don't know how i'm still alive after that because (laughs) i didn't eat i didn't get up um i the only thing i did was um, apply to jobs on indeed. That's the only thing I did with my day. Um, because I, I had, um, you know, they have the option to have a pre-filled, uh, resume on there. So I would yeah. just click and submit. Um, and so
0: with, with the struggles that you're, you're going through, are you, is it just that you're trying to find others who may be going through that same exact struggle and just kind of, uh, saying, Hey, look, I was there with you. And, uh, let's go ahead and find a plan that works for you. Is that kind of, is that why you're pushing in that specific direction that you're pushing out?
1: That's part of it. Um, definitely part of it. But another big thing for me is just how much pushback there is from people who are, who are neurotypical and, just between them and the people who are suffering, who are trying to explain what's going on and they interpret it just as, I mean, I've, I've heard every response in the book. I've heard, Oh, well, you just need to get over it and, you know, push on and, and things will get better. Or, um, mm-hmm. you know, basically just like do the thing and you'll be able to do the thing or, <laughs> um,
0: go back to your muscle memory. Uh, yeah.
1: Right. Or yeah. my personal favorite, other people have it worse. Um, I've always hated right. that.
0: That's that's pushed a button in me. So
1: Absolutely.
0: And it, it's not that just means- kind of like a, a little click, click. It's like a clerk. And you're like, I'm going to fucking, yeah, yeah, we got it worse. Let's go ahead and see how you feel with the broken leg. And I can walk fine. So
2: Right, you know. right. <laughs> and
1: it it just pushes, at least for me, it pushed me down deeper into mm. it. It made me not want to get better you know so and even if i you know even if i could so there was just a lot of that going on i had family members that didn't think depression was even real there were people saying oh well i get depressed sometimes which is everybody does but not everybody has the disorder and people can't make that distinction a lot of time
0: you gotta get sad panda every once in a while to be a happy panda Right, yeah, <laughs> and, and and no matter what kind of sad panda you are, whether it's just a little baby one or a big old a big old boy where you just munch and sad bamboo for about four months, which is what it sounds like you did, you know, it's it's got to get it's got to get solved one way or another. And I, I'm kind of curious because um, I, I know you're not licensed. I, I know you're you're pushing you're pushing to become that that uh, licensed therapist. You, you used a, some letters that were together that that made it sound legitimate. What, (laughs) what pulled you out of the four month snap? Like, did you, did you just wake up one day and you're like, I'm going to fucking kill it now and we're going to get my shit together and we're going to go. Or what, what pulled Jessica out of this?
1: So I remember this. Um, (laughs) so I mentioned that I was applying to jobs every day, um, through that four months, And so what kicked me into this episode was that, um, I was trying to work as an independent insurance agent. I had my, I had gotten licensed and I was trying to do it and it's really, really challenging. Yep. And I would go to meetings with clients and they would just write off the bat, you know, write me off and say, nope, not interested. Um, or I would set up a meeting with them and I would get there and they'd say they already had insurance, stuff like that. I mean, people were just it was it was fun.
0: Sales is very, very tough.
1: Yeah <laughs> yeah.
0: Sales yeah. is very, very tough. There's a
1: especially insurance.
0: It, it it actually I've noticed that it doesn't matter what you sell because I've I've sold I've sold travel insurance uh what I'm selling now is is very different I don't like to give away what I sell but I can't mm. tell you how many times people will request a quote for something and then you're talking to them like hey just let you know I've already got something and it's like okay then I don't want to talk to you and you know and uh you have to you have to play the game and it, they, they they get stupid with it, and sometimes you you know you just want to punch somebody in the face, and other times you want to give them a hug because you feel for them. But you know.
1: Oh yeah, and there there are people out there doing it and making a great living at it. But oh yeah, it takes a really. I mean, I I've been good in sales in the past, but that's a really specialized area of sales that's particularly <laughs> challenging because people can't see the product. That's yep. something that you'll never use because it's really for the people that you love so that they don't have a financial burden on top of their, you know, they're grieving and they don't want to have to deal with debt, you oh, know? Yeah. yeah. So it's very, very important, but people don't understand that because people typically go off of what they see, which it's funny that we came to that just now, because that's also the reason why people don't accept that people have depressive disorders and that it's real.
0: If, because if you can't see it and you can't feel it, you're not, you're not aware of it.
1: It's an invisible disability for anybody who doesn't know what to look for. Yeah.
0: So we, you, you were doing sales, and uh, where, where was your, where was your happy panda pill? Where did that come in?
1: So, um, that was what kicked me into it. Um, I just kind of was ready to lay down and die, and that's effectively what I did for four months, and then, but I, I didn't forget that I needed mm-hmm. to work. Um I was living with my parents, and i was I was the person that right out of high school I was like, "I have to get out of here mm-hmm. and that didn't happen until very recently um and so I was depressed about that. I was depressed that I put all this energy and work into getting this certification, and it was looking like I couldn't use it um really and so I laid there for a few months, vegetated hibernated um And then I got a job interview, finally.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. And so um, I got up one day and uh, there was, uh, my mom had a pot of coffee going in the kitchen, which she always does. And I went in there and I poured myself a cup of coffee with creamer and I just was like standing there and my mom walked in and she's like, you got up for coffee, And I thought, (laughs) she looked like she was about to cry. Um, And I just like, she she talked about this later, how it was so surreal and bizarre to her because I had been laying there sedentary for four months straight and all of a sudden I just emerged from my room Mm -hmm. in a collared shirt and slacks. And she's like, okay. Which... Is not a good case for people that don't believe depression is real.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) But, you know, that's, I knew that I needed to work. And when I get depressed like that is when I feel that I don't have a purpose. And that's, even though it's just a job, it's a sense of purpose. So this job was at a bridal salon. And so the job was to help Girls pick out their wedding dresses, and um,
0: the happiest, I was always days of their lives.
1: Yeah, so I was always really interested in fashion when I was a teenager, and so I thought it would be a cool way to apply that interest. Um, and I walked in, and I was still in this, even though I was up and moving, I was still in like this deadened, foggy state. <clears throat> this, you know. Just completely detached headspace, but I went in and it was a group interview.
2: Ugh.
1: And which actually, though, I have been nonverbal basically for four months. Mm-hmm. So it was a lot less intimidating to have a circle that I was in and they would just go around and ask questions instead of I'm just one on one with this person I've never met and I haven't been doing very much talking for a while um but you know that was that was what it was and um they dismissed everybody but they told me to stay and they had me shadow their best stylist right then and there um and so I'm like well I didn't expect this to happen I kind of expected to just go home and nothing to come of it (laughs) because um that was just, I mean, my self-esteem was rock bottom because I was in that episode. Um, And so that was a big confidence boost for me. And then when I got that job, I just threw myself into it. Um, And then I started, you know, eventually... um, This is just kind of the pattern that things follow. Like, I get really depressed, I'm unemployed, and then I find a job. And I slowly get immersed in the job. And while I'm in that process of being immersed, I'm still... In this state, but I'm getting up and doing the thing, which I can do when I'm depressed, but I need something of an obligation to go and do or else, you know, if I'm not forced into it, then I won't do it
2: Mm, in in the
1: case of a depressive episode. So, and I would give myself these obligations because having a job is an obligation. I'm not the kind of person, like I mentioned before, that's going to sit and rot in their parents house for years on (laughs) end like that's just not me
0: (laughs) yeah and and I've I've noticed that that does help a lot like because there are some days where like uh, I'll just be in, I I I was earned the nickname Bambi and I kind of, I kind of run with it every so often because like Bambi, you know, baby deer, they don't really do much. They kind of shout out their parents. And I'm just like, Bambi doesn't want to do anything today. And you just sit there <laughs> and like you veg out and like, I'll look in the fridge and I'll have like just enough to make a couple of tacos. And I'm like, I really want a bagel. And then like, I look at having to go out to the car and going, Ugh! I have to go grocery shopping. And then as I'm in the grocery store doing what I'm doing, I'm like, oh, let's get this. Let's get this. And the next thing you know, it's that whole day of just and I mean, it's weird because we hate that. Oh, just get up and do something. But yeah. like getting up and doing something. Holy shit, does it spark it? Because that's what happened with you. You went to the job interview You, you got the engine revving. sounds like you're a little bit of a diesel. You got to get warmed up a little bit, but once you started rolling and, and, you know, you found something that you loved and you found, you know, a bridal shower or, uh, you know, getting, getting a bride ready for her, her best wedding dress and kind of showing her all the dresses and what she wants. That kind of goes with art. So right. And fashion. And it looks like you just, you had to find something that really kickstarted the engine and, and got you to get up and do something
1: exactly um and at least for me i don't know i don't know if that works for everybody i I don't think that anything works for everybody you know yeah
2: yeah it's
1: it's just like medication even without medication there there are well you know there are medications that work for me and Mm. they might not work the best for the next person with depression yeah um Especially because in my case, I'm act- actually diagnosed bipolar as well as seasonal, effective.
0: Mm. Yeah, because um, I know, yeah. like, I can't take Vicodin. I can't take a lot of those, like, hard painkillers. But you give me 400 milligrams of Advil, ooh, I'm right as rain. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so, yeah. yeah, just not everything is for everybody. Uh, I guess because, I mean, where we're at right now is you, you've effectively done that you know that that bare basic, uh, you know, kind of thing that folks like to tell you just just get up and do something, just get up and go. But it's it's something that you have to be passionate about. It's something that you have to love and, and find interested in. And I know that you know you're 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 in the baby stages. You're you're not maybe walking yet, but you're crawling uh, to learn <laughs> about psychology here. What is a what is one piece of advice that you would throw out to somebody who may be currently struggling right now to to find to find something to grasp onto?
1: So I will say, um, with that, it's very, very hard to get started. And that's the kicker, is that, yes, it may work. There's a good chance that it will work. But when you're dealing with the type of depression that I deal with and have been dealing with virtually all my life, Mm -hmm. Um, you feel weighed down to the bed. And there's this gradient, you kind of go through where it's like, I'm not feeling great today. And I feel disconnected from everything around me. And then that feeling just takes over after a while and you lay down and it's just, it's overwhelming. And so the hardest part is getting started. And you're not going to get Anything accomplished if there isn't an opportunity in front of you. So, if you can summon the energy to do what I did and just go online, look for stuff to do, even if it's not a job, even if it's like volunteer work or something, mm-hmm. um, just something that sparks your interest, especially if it's something that you know you're passionate about. Um, just find something that is already fully formed in front of you that you're not part of yet and insert yourself into it. And the other key, besides just finding something to grab onto, is realizing that it's not going to fix you right away. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't say fix you, but you know, fix the problem, just the all encompassing problem that you're dealing with. It's not going to happen overnight. And it's just, it's hard. (laughs) That's one of the reasons that it's so hard is I've been able to do that several times, but there is a waiting period where you're not really waiting. I mean, you're out there doing something, but you're still going to feel crappy, I mean, you're going to feel just like you did when you weren't doing anything for a while while you adjust to your new surroundings, adjust to your new activities and your responsibilities. And my experience of that is just I kind of float along and, you know, as I am given things to do, whether it's a job or volunteer work or you know helping family out or whatever it is um you just go through the motions um and it's it's kind of strange because that's also how you get into an episode so like I like I said before how you just start feeling not so great and then you keep living your life like normal, and you can feel less and less. Sadness is not the problem mm. with depression. The problem is not being able to experience emotion unless it's existential dread, basically.
2: <laughs> hey,
0: existential dread can get you to move, all right? It uh, can. It can. It but can. One uh, one thing that I always always like to throw out, too, to folks, because this is something that I, I have noticed, especially in reading a lot of threads, like if you need help just go seek it out. You know, like you said you've you're on your what? third or fourth psychologist now?
1: Um so my psychiatrist is
0: psychiatrist, yeah.
1: He's the <laughs> psychologists are more into studies um and psychiatrists are more hands-on um but so I'm on my second psychiatrist and okay. the first one was appointed to me when I was in the hospital and he wasn't great he helped but he was less to the point and more let's try this and see if that works
2: mm. this
1: guy that i'm with right now um funny story side note he also started out as an art history major
2: <laughs> um
0: <laughs> that's hilarious i know
1: i, I know i always what
0: are I, I always get mine mixed up because like i uh uh she the the gal that i was just recently with like I get it wrong all the time because she was like, oh, actually, I'm technically this. I'm like, no, you're you're my psychologist. And she's like, yeah, all right. Yeah, <laughs> I, <laughs> I get things super mixed up. Um, one thing that I I don't know what it is, but like I respond better to certain types of people like mine calls me on my shit all the time. And it's really ridiculous because I've noticed that some of the best therapy sessions I've had because uh, I've I've actually seen about five or six now. And this is something I always like to throw out to people. Like, you're not going to find a winner one go around. And if you do, that's baller. That's dope. Uh, But my first, a couple of the the best ones I've had have have been, like, super attractive women to me. They've called me (laughs) on my bullshit. And they've put me in my place. And, like... I, I like that about them because uh, the gal that I was just recently left, she left the VA. Like she just she had to leave the VA for whatever oh. reason. And she would she would talk to me just like a, like one of my bros, you know, Like <laughs> she would just she's like that, Jared, that's bullshit. And, you know, it. I'm like, well, it is, you know, so like you, you got to find somebody who works with you. And that is a that is big thing is you're not going to find a winner. But I think what you were saying, Jessica, was right is do your muscle memory. Like, yeah, it's cliche. Yeah, you hate it. But as long as you continue to function and move forward, you're going to get through the phase. Whether it's a two-week phase or a two-month phase or a two-year phase, you know, don't be afraid to seek out help and don't be afraid to make a switch after giving it a shot. I mean, would you say that's a fair assessment?
1: I think so. There are a lot of footnotes to that. So, um, you know, it's... Mm -hmm. It's a great choice to get out there and give your brain something to focus on instead of how terrible you feel about yourself and how good it it sounds to just make everything stop. Um, And like I was saying before, you start that process and you have this feeling of why am I doing this? It's pointless. I'm a piece of trash. I'm Mm. never going to be good at what I'm doing. And, but you keep going and it feels pointless. It feels stupid to even try, but that's not true. And it'll show that it's not true the longer that you do it. And basically, you know, you'll just go through the motions and feel still completely deadened, just dead inside, depressed, hopeless, you know, worthless, all the things that you feel with extreme bouts of depression. But what I'm getting to is you keep on doing it and you go through all those days where you feel like that. And one day you get up in the morning and you realize that you feel better. So you have to, I mean, at least in my experience, I don't, that's not across the board, yeah. but you know, and I did that without pills. I did that without any kind of medication, Mm. Um, which is not a brag. It's just, that's freaking hard to do. You shouldn't You shouldn't do that unless you have to. I just hadn't found the right medication yet or the right coping strategies yet.
0: Um, yeah. And, I mean, everything is a huge caveat to who you are. Right. Oh, 100% with me, there was a med that, that worked phenomenally, but I was a zombie. I mean, it was mm-hmm. kind of cool. Like, I'm not going to lie. It was kind of cool. And you're like, oh, I just existed in nothingness for two hours. That was kind of neat, you know? So. <laughs> I mean, you know, and then there are some times where you find something that just doesn't work for you, and it. it everyone is different. I think that's the ultimate end, end goal of this, is that you can try certain things, and you'll find something that does work, you'll find things that don't work, but as long as you're trying, that's all that matters.
1: And there is a good chance, though, that what I'm talking about will work mm-hmm. for, you know, somebody that's listening right now, um, and it's easy to get to like the middle and you're like, this isn't working. I'm just going to give up. And then you don't see it through and you go back to where you were and you have to find something else that works because Mm -hmm. what you were doing was going to work, but you weren't patient with it. You didn't follow through, which is totally understandable with this illness. Totally get it. Um, But for me, it was just like I was able to zone out and do the work that was in front of me. I mean, I thought, so, <laughs> crazy thing. I almost, this last one, this last job at the office that I was working at that I was talking about before,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, I thought I thought I was never, I thought I was going to get fired. Um, but I ended up being really good at it. But before I was really good at it, and I was still growing and learning, I thought that I was doing a terrible job. I was like, I don't know why I'm here. I don't know why I'm doing this. I'm going to fail. I'm going to fail. But I kept doing it anyway. Mm -hmm. And so I finally got to that point, you know, and I'm not saying that it's an overnight thing, just like literally you go to bed and then wake up and you're like, wow, I'm okay. Like it doesn't work that way, but it feels that way Mm
2: -hmm. because you're
1: gradually getting better and not realizing it. So you have a few good days and then don't realize that you're really having good days. Um, But then you realize that you are and that your work paid off and you overcame it and then you have ammunition for the next time it happens. And so it's just incredibly rewarding. Um, But that being said, find a good doctor.
2: It's worth it.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Good, good, doctors. I mean, as hard as they are to come by, they, once, once you, and I mean, you you were kind of talking about it, and I like to attribute this to uh, a game that I've been playing here relatively uh, a lot lately, Escape from Tarkov. Like there's different builds for guns that you can have. You just have to find the the right parts that fit the pieces that you need. And you know, that, that can always be a big win-win for you. And I appreciate a lot of the insight you've offered here today, Jessica. It's it's on it's obviously it's been nice to not only hear from somebody who has gone through it, but who is trying to kind of transform as they're continuing to go through through things the the internal struggles that a lot of other people are, and and just try to make the world a better place. You know what I mean?
1: Absolutely. And that was like I said before, but I want to embellish a little bit more. It was just mm. I. So we didn't know I was bipolar until I was, I mean, I didn't get my official diagnosis diagnosis until I was 24, but I had experienced hypomania mm-hmm. by that point um, at several times uh, when I was a teenager and I actually missed my high school graduation because I was admitted to the hospital because I had a horrible, catastrophic manic episode, the first one. That I had ever had that was full blown. and um, so I'm not I'm not the kind of person that hides my own experience. I'm not ashamed of what I've been through because so much of it was because the uh, the system failed me. Mm-hmm. So that was my first time in the hospital. I think I was in three times after that over the years, and then I ended up in jail because um, The hospital didn't do their job. Hmm. So I ended up in jail because (laughs) it was really stupid. I I took my mom's car without permission, and she called the police so that they could find me so that she would know I was safe, and then they cuffed me and put me in solitary confinement for two weeks. Oh, fun. Yeah. So much fun. Yeah, and then in total, I was probably there for two months. Um, They moved me over to the main unit, Um, and yeah, and, Hmm. uh, if I remember correctly, they were the first place that got my meds right.
0: You know, that's, that's kind of interesting where, well, that, I mean, I'll, I'll, hmm, I'll give it to the jail, to the, to the penitentiaries and, you know, the jails and stuff like that. Like they, I feel like because they deal with it on such a daily basis that, they they can kind of pinpoint things that work exceptionally well and try to hammer it down because they have very little time and they're in one of the most extreme stressful situations that any person will probably likely ever be in uh, besides some other things that are out there. But they have to be able to get it right the first time to make sure it works. Right. So.
1: Yeah, and... Uh... Another thing I was going to say about um mental health care practitioners like therapists, psychiatrists, psychologists. In my experience with all the practitioners I've been to um so in short, both of the um so my psychiatrist and my therapist at the moment that I've settled with um knew what to do from the first time I went in. Mm-hmm. So when I found my psychiatrist. I went in and filled out some questionnaires, talked with him a little bit, and then I got my formal diagnosis from him in my email after that first visit. And just right off the bat, it was ADHD inattentive type, seasonal affective disorder, and bipolar two. And I had never had anybody suggest to me before that I had ADHD. But I do. It's he's right. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, And going back to earlier, um, bipolar is often misdiagnosed as ADHD and the other way around because of the similar states that they get into. Mm -hmm. Um, So ADHD can be comorbid with depression, which means just they go hand in hand um, for some individuals because people with ADHD are notorious for being hard on themselves. And at least for me, that was definitely the case many times when I went into severe depressive episodes. I just was so hard on myself and I wasn't performing the way that I thought I should be. That was up to my standards, which were sky high. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, that's what led me into it. Um, But anyway, so... That was my psychiatrist, and he remains awesome to this day. The first medication he put me on is what I'm still on two to three years later, and it's perfect for me. Um, it's actually a, a lot of people with di- bipolar disorder take it, but it was originally – it's used off-label for bipolar, um, which means it's actually – it was made to be for – um, people with convulsive disorders. So like people that have trouble with seizures, um, <laughs> which is really that. interesting.
0: Yeah. One of the, one of the meds that I take to help with my nausea, they're like, yeah, this is, this is meant for, uh, people who have like psychotic breaks, but, uh, it's been known to stop a lot of nausea and it works exceptionally well. <laughs> and I'm like, huh?
1: It's always so random.
0: Yeah. Like, yeah, this yeah. one, this one was designed to to start heart attacks but sometimes it helps people poop regularly and you're like, well, I mean, I guess, you know, so like there <laughs> there there are some very very weird medications that do some very very excellent things that were not designed to do. So Yeah. Ah. Yeah.
1: And then um so that was my psychiatrist, he's amazing and my therapist um, I went to her, I, I think it was that same depressive episode I was talking about where I started getting better when I started that job at the bridal shop. Mm-hmm. Um, I, once I was up and out of bed, I was like, holy shit, I need help. Um, cause I just finally was fully awake and I'm like, that was horrible. <laughs> that was so bad. Um,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and Which had happened before, but that time, for some reason, I had such clarity about it. Once I got out of it, I was like, I have to get help. It's been way too long. So pretty much immediately I got online and found this girl. Um, And so I went to see her for the first time uh, after that episode. And I talked with her for a while and uh, she just you know, did what a therapist is supposed to do and asked me a couple questions and let me just run with them and get some stuff out. And when I was done done talking, she looked at me and she said, uh, what did she say? She said, you have a neglectful father and a codependent mother. And I said, wow, straight to the point. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, So I just, both of them knew right off the bat what needed to be addressed yeah and i think that that's the thing to look for because if you go to somebody and they don't have inferences they don't have theories they don't have you know key items that they notice about what you're telling them they probably don't know what they're doing
0: that's a that's a very valid point if if you have somebody like Mine who will call you on your shit and tell you straight to the straight to the point and be very blunt and honest. It's it's gonna be positive for you because it's not guessing. It's this is what it is, let's attack it from whatever angle we can.
1: Right.
2: Hmm.
1: Yeah. And uh the the biggest running theme that I've had in all of my sessions with her is just she asks me every time we meet, are you giving yourself credit? Because It's like I was talking about a minute ago where people with ADHD are just so hard on themselves because we have all these ideas and, you know, this, this drive to stay active and we want the things that we do to be valuable and we tend to be perfectionists and completionists and those are really high standards to follow, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and it's kind of like, um living with an expectant parent when when you're a kid that expects you to make straight A's every semester um and it's obviously even worse if you if you are raised by parents like that but we impose that on ourselves so Um, that's something that she always, always asks me in our sessions. Just, are you giving yourself credit? Do you recognize how hard you're working? Do you recognize how much shit you've pulled yourself through? Um, and just, I used to hate answering that question because for so long, (laughs) the answer was no, (laughs) but that's why she was asking me. Um, and she continues to ask that question every time to this day. And I love her for that because it's just you have to answer those hard questions in order to grow.
0: That's see. I like that. The consistency. That's nice. Keeping it consistent, keeping you on your toes, making sure that, that, uh, that she's being heard and making sure that, you know, she's there. That's, that's nice. That's, that's a, that's a good takeaway. What is, and, and if you could give a, a final thought here for, for one other takeaway. So it's, don't be as hard on yourself, give yourself credit, Uh, you know, expect to fail, but expect to, to be positive and, and, and succeed eventually. What is something else that you would like to throw out to somebody who may be struggling with this?
1: Do you mean at the same severity as I did?
0: Any severity, just any, any piece of advice to somebody that might be going through something because what's, What's bad to me may not be as bad to you and vice versa. So maybe something Thank to you. help 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 lift somebody's spirits a little
2: bit.
1: So that's very hard to do with people who are depressed. Mm-hmm. Um so and that's the barrier that um that is the hardest to break through. But so the biggest thing that I try to latch on to when I'm in this position, which the narrative in somebody's brain, when this, it's a chemical deficiency. So you're not producing serotonin um, or any other happy chemicals that, like one one of the big things is that something you love to do makes you feel nothing just Mm -hmm. and you get to realize that and you think why would i do anything then which is valid it makes sense doesn't mean you shouldn't do anything though Mm -hmm. um so what i'm getting at is there's this false narrative that goes with that chemical imbalance so whenever you're not getting rewarded with those um those good natural drugs that your brain produces um for you know completing a task um you know seeing something beautiful just anything that would otherwise have a positive impact on you um it's, it's profoundly sad. And that's kind of what ushers in the feelings of why should I even try? I'm a screw up. I can't do anything right. That was a big one for me as a teenager, because a lot of it had to do with, you know, how, how I was doing in school and stuff like that. Cause I was, I was, I was a gifted student. Mm. Um, so you have that narrative running and this is another misconception that people who don't struggle with the disorder have where they think that you can just shift that narrative but your brain takes on a life of its own when this is going on because it is a physical illness so something that I've probably the most valuable piece of information that I've gathered over the years of my life that I've had to deal with this is those things aren't real. Those are lies. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, people don't think that way when they're not in an episode. Yeah. And you can have otherwise great self esteem and great ideas and you know it's another thing that has been observed by researchers i don't have any um sources for this but i've just you know noticed it over the years um wow i just completely lost my train of thought that's the first time it's happened in this <laughs> session though
0: it's um, okay is because I mean I I feel like the the point you're trying to get at here is try to continue to stay as positive as possible, no matter which way you go, whether it's a well, big high or a big low. Yeah. I mean, is that is that kind of what you're looking? Because I I hear I hear what you're saying, and and I think that's the point that you're trying to get across.
1: Yeah, it's I'm kind of I'm kind of thinking out loud because as important and valuable as it is to know that that narrative is bullshit.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: um, It's very, it's almost impossible to convince the person that that's the case because it just becomes so incredibly real. And that just comes back to being active and doing something that might make you feel accomplished Mm -hmm. because it becomes harder to so when you're also when you're isolating which is what people do when they're struggling with this the only person that you're hearing from is yourself but mm-hmm. it's not really you it's the disorder so i guess my real advice is surround yourself with anybody who supports you and who will counteract those thoughts that you're having and do something simple that you can feel good about do something that you can do well. That's relatively hard to screw up, especially, you know, just getting stuff done around the house, like do some dishes, but you don't have to clear the whole sink Mm -hmm. or, you know, organize a bookshelf. And if you get tired, you can go take a nap, but you got something done. You did something effectively. Um, Because it's so easy when you're not doing anything to convince yourself that you're ineffective and that you can't. But Mm. if you just break out of it, which again, it feels like you're weighed down to the bed. It feels like you can't do anything. But at this point, I have successfully done this where that's how I feel. But I get up in my own head and I'm like, do I really want to be laying here all day? No. No. Is there anything that I want to do instead? No. But there are things to do.
2: (laughs) Mm -hmm. Exactly. So,
1: you know, just get up and do something. Doesn't have to be a monumental task. Doesn't have to, like, be anything complicated. Just, like, the examples I gave, anything along those lines. Just do something that you know you can do. And then go from there. And the voices will likely get quieter.
0: (laughs) I got you. I got you and and yeah it it that that's uh, that's a very solid kind of long thought out process there but i think i think that <laughs> i think it's going to help folks just in the simple fact that the more that you 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 keep that positivity there the more that you basically are just like yeah let's let's make sure that we continue to try to find those positive things that we look at to get us the serotonin that we really would need and like it's going to help so I mean, Jessica, thank you, number one, for, for coming on. Thank you, number two, for really just kind of sharing an inside perspective from somebody who's gone through it, who's going through it still, and who's trying to change it from the inside out. It's been nice to nice to kind of see do- both sides of the coin, if you will, you know?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And um, I talk about it as much as I can because <clears throat> I've learned a lot of valuable things in my personal experience. So Coupling, you know, talking about that with recognizing that what's worked for me won't work for just anybody, you know, Mm -hmm. like you said, you know, everybody's different just because it worked for me doesn't mean it'll work for them. But this can stir up ideas for people, you know, and even more importantly, for somebody with depression to hear something that lines up with the way that they're feeling that is a huge help because another one of the big, big lies is that you're alone and nobody else has ever experienced or is experiencing what you are, Um, which logically just right off the bat. No, but again, it's it's kind of a delusional state that you get in when you're that bad, you know, yeah, reaffirmation.
0: So- is what they call yeah, it. reaffirmation. Absolutely. Reaffirmation is huge. Uh, cause just knowing that you're not alone is definitely a good thing, but you know, it's interesting cause I've, I've heard Rainy cause Rainy, we, we did an episode earlier, 145 if I am correct here, Rainy was, uh, she, she, it sounds like she's alone and she wants a little bit of extra love. Is, is that what she's squawking about in the background?
1: Yeah, I'm going to go in there and hang out with her <laughs> when we're done for sure. She, uh, I was out running around all day and Mm -hmm. um, I popped my head in there when I got home, but this is one of those days I feel kind of guilty because um, she's just been by her lonesome. I hate doing that, but you know, I got to work. I got to, I work from home. So most of the time I'm with her all day, every day, three days a week and then, or four days a week. And then um, every other day I just spend as much time with her as I have time to. And um, but you know, today was, you know i was out in the world doing some stuff for work so yeah
0: if it makes you yeah. feel any better every so often i gotta neglect the boys they they become evil and they they yell things and they scream and they're just they're not conducive to being in a in a good environment where they're at and so i gotta i gotta be like all right boys get 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 it out of your systems i'll be <laughs> i'll be around so But Jessica, if there is anything that pops into that little head of yours and you'd like to maybe dive down some more rabbit holes or chat some more, please, by all means, I'll probably hit you up for some future episodes. Would that sound like a fun thing for you? Sure.
1: It's been a blast so far.
0: All right. Well, I'm about to uh, hop off here. Uh, I want to say thank you again for joining me and thank you everyone for for hanging tight with us. Jessica, anything you want to say before we we bounce out of here?
1: Um... I guess just, I'm assuming the uh, a lot of the listeners to this particular episode are drawn in by the title, so if you're mm-hmm. struggling with depression, just keep it up, keep going, no matter how bad you think you're doing, it's enough, you're yeah. doing enough, and it'll get better.
0: Well, as Gallo, uh, a very, a very good friend of mine, used to say, uh, I love you, you're worth it, and Bessos. us.
1: Absolutely.